fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Back in the other direction. You're on. Well, the net and got trapped out there as he bumps in the corner. Deep, putting the puck deep, puck in deep, just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep, pucks in deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Mike Ross here, public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're listening to the Pucks in Deep podcast with Adam Lesko and Josh Coleman. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pucks in Deep podcast, episode 105. We're back, baby. A quick turnaround from last time, Lesko. And it's going to be an absolute beauty here this evening, man. We've got one of our most exciting guests to date joining the show, as you heard from the intro. Courtesy of one Rick Generette. You can't beat that for you excitement. You cannot. I watched that live. For whatever reason, I was watching an Ottawa-Buffalo game. But it was I think it was one of those ones where you heard about it you had to tune in. Oh, yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it's before the days of, you know, Twitter and, and seeing everything instantly. I don't think so. I, would, I don't know what year that would have been. I think it's been. 2007. I can check my there you go. phone real quick. But either way, Adam Lesko across the bar. Josh Coleman here, as always, very excited about episode 105 featuring Marty Biron. Marty Gaston. Marty Gaston. Biron. That like the hardest French name ever? <laughs> I don't know. You'll have that to goes, ask him. That goes hard. I'm really excited to ask him Martin, a few things. Gaston yeah. Biron. I stumbled across that because uh, obviously searching for you know some of the some of the highlights. How about that save, man? You should. I should have sent you the video of of the save on Delmar. Call a copy. Robbed him. <laughs> I can't believe it. Like, it was just the greatest call. He is in no man's land. Like, for no reason should he or would he ever have wanted to play that puck, but he did. And then there was, like, three players around, and they get an open net, and he dives across with one hand with the stick outstretched, and and he gets it. I mean, the story of hockey, the story of being a goaltender and making those saves when it looked like it was not possible. And that one was, I mean, it might it might even be one of the greatest saves of all time. I'm really glad I stumbled across it. But while I was looking up those replays of Marty Biron, I stumbled across some little interview he did where he was talking about like how he got that nickname Gaston, and it's because it's his middle name. So yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty pretty uh, excited to talk to him. Man, comes at a great time too, following that Sabers Leaf game. 
uh, last night because, as we know, he does a lot of work with the Buffalo Sabres, MSG, Sabres Live. Uh, I mean, God, the guy's on the radio every day on Sirius XM, too, doing the power play. Um, he's a busy guy, man, so hes uh, I don't think he's going to be shy to talk to us tonight. Very lucky for him to uh, spend a little bit of time with us on the show, that's for sure. Yeah, so we're going to have him coming on shortly. I'll say maybe in like 20 or 30 minutes' time, waiting on the old T-bomb, and then we're going to call him up. So we uh, won't won't uh, spend too much time on Marty right now because we're going to chat with him later. But, uh, man, things, things are going down, all right? Things are going down. Um, a lot of speculation here. On uh, the leaf trade, is that where you want to get into? We got to get into that right it's an away. Exciting, exciting week, especially when what a trade comes out at eleven forty-five or ten thirty at night or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I do this to make sure I'm peak baked. I've got at least <laughs> several drinks in me at this point. I right. just, just I was with a buddy there and we just stopped, stared at each other for like a minute because we kind of. We didn't have the sound on the TV, but could see it come across the ticker at the bottom. Oh. We just felt kind of like stunned, like, what? <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, that's a huge trade. I mean, oh, what, probably the biggest Leaf trade since Phil Castle? Yeah, I would say so. You know, in terms of, you know, uh, how drastically improved the team is Yes, with, through this trade? Yeah, with the, with the stroke of a pen. Yeah, well, and I'm sure there were a lot of strokes of the pen involved. If we, if you consider when Kyle Dubas did that presser last week, it was just a couple of days before that trade, and he had, I guess, tampered our expectations. We did talk about it last week on the show where he's saying, like, well, not that interested in rentals. He's playing coy. I have a feeling that he doesn't necessarily see these either of these two players, Noel Charlie. Noel Charlie. No. Noel no. <laughs> uh, Charlie McAvoy. Yeah. A Charlie a Charlie and uh O'Reilly necessarily as rentals because I think and O'Reilly has made this known since he's been here, but he appears to be very happy to be here. Absolutely. So let's hope that there is some potential for them to retain one or both of these guys and wouldn't it be nice if the Leafs actually won a round or two or three perhaps like go on a run or something make staying more appealing exactly exactly because I mean you flame out in the first round again and I, I just I don't even know I mean at this point it's laughable what's the problem we have no idea fire everyone into the mm-hmm. sun and try again basically it's pretty important fucking season let's go it's, it's interesting because really we, we did not spend a ton of time uh, tossing O'Reilly's name around when we talked about all this trade speculation last week. It was kind of geared towards Patrick Kane with the Blackhawks in town. That's what all the yeah. buzz was about. Yeah, yeah. And O'Reilly had just come back from injury. I play, believe played, what, two games since then. So, And based on what Kyle Dubas had said as well, that they were, I guess, taking a look at him much earlier in the season but had to – obviously wait until the injury was dealt with and that he came back and that I guess a deal was worth making at that point. But on the service, absolutely love the trade. Don't lose any roster players other than that first round pick. And it's going to be a late one at that. Uh, the rest of those things are, are nothing to me anyways. Draft smaft, all that. It needs to happen now, dude. Exactly. I mean, if you think about it, realistically, not not – Saying anything beyond Neil Andrew Matthews, but they're you know they're only signed through next season, right. so times now like time is now push it all in. Time is nine. You know you look at some of the other teams that have been competing repeatedly for the past few seasons: Tampa, Colorado. They don't have any draft picks either. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the nature of the team for a while. So if you're one of those 
super prospect guys, look away. coverage are going to start yeah, getting look, a little more bare. Look away. Um, you mentioned you know not really spending a ton of time zoning in on O'Reilly. I got to shout out my buddy uh, Thomas Tommy H T Bone, as they know him on the uh, Twitter sphere. T Bone. He he's been on O'Reilly from like last summer. Like just this is the guy that we need, basically saying like I think if we can get this guy, this is what puts us over the top. So really excited for T Bone to see to see if that can come true because now when it happened, he I think he broke the trade in our group chat. We had a, a group chat with a bunch of Leaf Leaf buddies, and uh, he broke it in there and. He was like all caps. He's like, I've been on this train <laughs> for six months or whatever it was. Like for, Big old last summer. Cell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the fun part for him is he now gets to see this play out. Like he was right now. And will he be right later? Like do they get through that first round? He'll have an opportunity again to say, ah, I told you so. This is, this is what we're doing. Because as we know, for us Leaf fans, the parade means one round. Like to me, to me, the parade <laughs> the, means the one first round. parade. The first, yeah, the there first will parade. be two parades. <laughs> one parade for the first round, and then the I sent you the map the other or yeah, yesterday in the, the, the group other, talk. The other parade for the big actual Stanley Cup celebration. However, yeah. let's get through the first round. So yeah, shout out to uh, T Bone for uh, nailing that one, and and good luck the rest of the way. I will tell you, Lesko, I led the conversation off by saying that there's been you know some speculation on lineup and stuff because. This is where our conversation is going to focus on right now with regards to the O'Reilly move. And I am telling you right now, if this guy is not playing third-line center when the puck drops in the playoffs, we're losing. That's my prediction. If we load up these two lines, like, and I'm, I'm assuming we do not add like an impact second, like top six guy. Like if, if a trade happens tomorrow and a top six guy is coming in, then I, I change my mind because I think that he will automatically slot into 3C. I do think that that's ideal, where we find a winger to play with Tavares and Mitch, and then O'Reilly is 3C, and it creates unmatchable depth up the middle. So you're um, still hard on that even after him scoring a hat trick yeah, last of course night. I am. Mitch yeah, but Marner he, having five assists. I know, but he's playing with, you know, Tavares. It's Tavares, Marner, and, and O'Reilly. Like, it's basically mm -hmm. a, a Team Canada line yeah. that you could have at the Olympics. Team Ontario. So I get it, dude. Like, I, I understand. I'm not saying that I think that that's bad or I, I don't think it's going to continue. I mean, can it keep up that well, pace? Well, it's bad if Probably they, you not. said they lose. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, what we've seen in the past is our best players wash out with the other team's best players and mm -hmm. then the other team's bottom six beats our bottom six and we fucking lose but i guess part of the part of the point there too is that it can't be a they need to out outperform we're putting our best against your best and you know let the best win it's that's coin, fair it's a coin flip ultimately no no, no right? that's fair but i think what i mean is i i don't mean it in a in the literal sense where like they're they're equal to you're each worried other. about getting out battled in the in I the depth know, department in, in the, in the how, depth how many department. minutes say combined 20 minutes. Yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, because you know what, dude? It's the playoffs. One goal. One one goal in those 20 minutes because a third or fourth line is missing an assignment or something. Now, don't get mm. me wrong, man. Like, the trade seems to have sparked energy, and Noel Chari is an awesome addition to that Great bottom player. six. Great player. Big He's, hitter, too. He seems to have inspired some Eighth life. In the NHL under, um, nice. He seems to have inspired some, some fire underneath Zach Aston Reese as well. Granted, I didn't get to see the first two games of, of the two players. I watched 
from afar. Uh, but I was really dedicated to to last night's game. And, it, like, up and down the lineup, there's more energy, okay? So I'm not saying that we're fucking doomed, let's go. Definitely but got them pumped up a bit. What I am saying is I am extremely concerned that we load up these two lines and come playoff time, it ends up being he said, she said. These guys score a goal. Well, so does fucking mm-hmm. Kucherov. You know, Tavares scores one, Stamkos gets one. That's right. what I mean by wash. And our bottom six gets scored upon, mm-hmm. and we lose the game three to two, like that kind of thing, where we're like, "Oh, we're right there. We're so close. We just can't get over the hump." Well, you know, these are the reasons why the eyebrow king Nick Paul steps alive <laughs> and just just shits all over He's us. A in great the most, too. I know he is. I'm not calling him a bottom six bum, <laughs> but and I'm not calling any of our players bottom six bums either. Like, yeah. can you not see my concern at all? You, you don't oh think no, I'm, I, to- like, I totally, I totally do, but. I'm not as concerned, I guess, about losing that minutes since they have revamped the bottom six. Um, I would say it's a lot stronger, and I think if they add another piece to that forward group, it's going to push more guys in, into more suitable roles. Um, I can see what Keith is doing here, though, absolutely, because you don't want to end up in a situation where, okay, O'Reilly settled in on third line. They're, they're managing to get a little bit of offense going. Great shutdown defense as I would imagine is the expectation there. But, oh, shit, something happened. We got to throw him up second C. Or we got to throw – we need more offense. The the second line's not going. Throw him on the wing. Okay, start developing the chemistry in different places in the lineup. He is a versatile player. Very so much. So they're and starting here. JT, too. He might get a look with Matthews and Nylander. He might get a look with Matthews and Marner. We, we don't know. And I expect as well that playing in that 3C spot. The biggest concern I had initially was just – Watching Tavares in the first couple of games being like, I don't know, yeah. oh, Tavares is a winger. And you could tell there was times where he was like, oh, like don't have to go down low so far and yeah, yeah. kind of curling back. And I'm sure he can adjust. He's obviously a great player. And I don't think O'Reilly showed up and they're like, hey, you're playing wing. I'm yeah. sure no, no, there no, was no. A, yeah. a conversation that was had yeah. there. And listen, I'll tell you one thing too, man. Like I'm by no means necessary. Am I being this, you know, irrational Leaf fan that is – throwing things against the wall after a couple of games immediately following the trade where the coach is trying certain things. I know that. I'm not talking about right now. I am talking about the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like he can do whatever he wants right now and get chemistry built. I think it's a great thing to ha- have have him having looks with all of our best players because at some points when we absolutely need something, they're all going to be out there together. So we they need to have some form of chemistry up and down the lineup. But mm-hmm. I'm basically just strictly talking about playoffs. So you know, I also got to be a little bit reserved with my judgment right now because we're still a couple weeks away from the, well, I guess a week and a half, whatever it is, away from the trade deadline. It's very soon. Um, I'm hoping we're probably going to have a pod, you know, not there long after uh, the trade deadline. But I, I'm, I, I'm really hoping that there's going to be another move of, of substance, mm-hmm. not just like depth, like possible press box guy. I mean, right. like in the lineup playing 13 to 15 minutes type, yeah, type deal. That I'm not guy. sure how significant of a piece we'll see, I think, after they spent you know, a lot of assets on that, but they do still have a bit more to give. Obviously, they didn't dip into the prospect cupboard very hard. I know there's a lot of speculation there. I think the perfect situation really is, say you go in the playoffs with Ryan O'Reilly on the third line, and that line is giving you a decent amount of offense, and they're playing strong shutdown hockey, just so you do have the option to be like, you know what, Matthews isn't getting anything cooking against these guys. we got to switch the matchup, right? I think, I don't think 
the first instinct is to shy the Maple Leafs two top lines from any lines. I think you say these guys go head to head with anybody. Yeah. But you know, it's a short window. It's set, you know four to seven games. You know, you might be in a scenario where you're like, "Hey, this just isn't working." We need to be able to mix it up, and you're not going to do that with a camp-centered no, third right. line with Engvall and Kerfoot. Or someone's banged up you know, a bit, too. You're not going to send those lines out against another team's first line. Perhaps you can construct something that's centered around Ryan O'Reilly uh, that can play a, a shutdown role in the event that you want to do a hard matchup like that. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not uh, saying we're done, that we're going to lose, you know, but uh, – I need more. That's what I said to you uh, when you texted me about it. You know, I, I said it's great. I need more. I, I'm I'm not convinced. I just had a good laugh because I, I, that was like after they got dusted by Chicago too, and it was ugly. And everyone's like, "Oh, Tavares can't play wing, and why would they put him here?" And I think a people at division maybe he slotted that Ryan O'Reilly slotted on the wings, Tavares at center, yeah, or at yeah. least the third line. So people were all up in arms like. What is Keith doing? I don't understand this. And then he said, like, I think in the pregame to last night, he's like, well, I think this is, for the for now, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, this isn't temporary sort of thing. No, and that should go without and, saying, to be honest. And then, you know, everyone's like, ah, ah, you know, freaking out. Like, oh, what a waste and this and that. And then they go out and absolutely shut everybody up in a span of 10 minutes in the first period, I guess it was when he buried a couple, but right. But let, let me ask you an honest question though. Like, are we supposed to be like, um, just blown away? This is otherworldly that they dominated the Buffalo Sabres the way that they did. Or are we kind of like, okay, finally, like this is a team that should have been doing that already anyways. It was a coming out party for sure for O'Reilly and just the trade itself was very exciting. And then seeing that just gets you all kinds of excited yeah, right? for the possibilities. And it's true. I mean, he's a treat to watch. The guy's massive. He wins like 80% of his face off yeah, in the last wild. couple games. Uh, seems like I said, just really happy to be there. So great time for us Leaf fans. Lots of excitement around team. Love Noel Chari because of the hit and all that. Um, sad day for Jake Muzzin, though. Unfortunately, that's yes. breaking news out of today is that the Leafs have shut down Jake Muzzin for the season and the playoffs. Uh, he's got one more year left after this on his contract, so they're saying they're going to reevaluate him in September. Uh, so he has a cervical injury, um, a neck injury, I guess. And the first time he actually heard it, too, was in 2020 in the playoff bubble. I believe against Columbus. Yes, and uh, so this is a, not a new thing, and obviously got re-aggravated earlier in the season when he did come back for a brief stint. Dude, that was a serious injury in that in that bubble series. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you figure any uh, to to take a guy like that out of the lineup too, you know it's serious. And obviously, anything involving your neck is is very concerning. So I think at this age, especially he's thirty four, I think pretty difficult to come back from speaking from someone who has endured a severe neck injury mm-hmm. from the sport of hockey. It's not, it's never, his neck will never be the same, yeah. put it that way. So, and it's a huge risk basically. No, it's quality of life. It was probably man. risky enough for him to come back and then to re-aggravate the injury. Wow. I got to stop making myself say that word. <laughs> re-aggravate? Yeah. It's very aggravating when you yes. can't pronounce re-aggravate. Exactly. <laughs> no, uh, but seriously, man, like all the best to Jake Muzzin. It's a, it is a scary situation, and 
at this point for me, and it's, it's just about the human, right? That's what everybody mm-hmm. says. It's about the man, the human, the father, the brother, the husband, whatever. Yep. Right. Um, quality of life is just too important at this point. And you, you'd have to hope that he's, that he's comfortable, you know, in his, in his financial situation. He's a former NHL player. Hopefully he was smart and all that. And, um, just wish him all the best. It's really unfortunate though. I really enjoyed watching Muzzin and yep. I saw, um, I saw a highlight earlier today after the news broke, uh, you know, people were kind of offering their, their condolences and their best wishes and whatnot. And someone posted a video of us uh, and the Bruins in one of the playoff series. And he absolutely just destroys Tory Krug. Oh yeah. Destroys that. at the top of the circle. And yep. like he popped his bucket off. Oh yeah. And then unfortunately for Krug, scary situation. Like he hit the boards mm-hmm. back first with no helmet on. Yep. And it was a clean hit. Like it wasn't late or interference or anything like that. Like, Big time hit, and those are the types of plays that a guy like Jake Muzzin would do. And unfortunately, those are the exact types of plays that he no longer can or should do. I think. And yeah. I'm no doctor, but that's let's, just my opinion. Let's hope that they can. Uh, and I know he's a rare b- breed, but find find someone comparable, I guess, to fill the physical void on defense. Well, maybe it's Sandine a, steps it up a little bit. Perhaps in that regard, he's, he's pretty a big pretty hitter. physical, but. Um, you know, as far as the deadline goes, I think I only foresee them getting maybe just another depth piece back there, just a little extra insulation and insurance. And I know Sandine is on the IR right now as well, so not sure how long that's going to last, but hopefully he's back soon. All right. Um, are we concerned at all that Samsonov got beat a couple times last night? Perfectly clean looks, no need to let it in at all, and they he scored. Didn't, he didn't look great. The tuck goal sure. was bad. The I know Skinner it, goal was bad. And he was sick uh, over the weekend, right? He had some kind yeah. of illness. Yeah. He looked Tough a little bit. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's because, what he said. He was uh, he was sliding around a little bit. He was out of position a lot. A yeah. couple clean ones. Did you not see that? Uh, no, I didn't. That's what he said. Is that what he said? To the reporters. He is the best Tough day in the shitter. <laughs> like, not even on the shitter. So he was just clenching out there the whole time. Yeah. Tough day in the shitter. That's um, rough. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. I, I, I think Not it's overly a, concerned. Yeah, I think it's a He's had a radar. couple stinkers lately, but I don't know. He's, he's their best bet. Right no, but dude, dude so, pe- people are telling me. <laughs> trying not to worry. People are telling me to go out and get a goalie. I think. What are they, well, well, I think that more has to do with Matt Murray than anything. Yeah, but who cares? What are you doing? Like, are you gonna are you gonna go and trade for a starter? No. Okay, no. we know that, right? Obviously, that's stupid. It goes without saying. Mm-hmm. So then, what are you doing? You're you're going out to get a backup anyway, and if that backup has to play, we're fucked anyway. True. It might as well be Joseph Wall, and maybe he plays out of his mind. True. Somebody you know versus somebody you don't. A, a story or something like that. Like it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry. What I'm saying is, there's no need to waste assets when it doesn't matter if your starter is injured. You're you're just playing your backup. I think that all depends on Matt Murray. Reportedly, he is uh, going to be coming back soon. Within a week, I think was the last I saw. Hopefully, it's not against Ottawa or Pittsburgh. <laughs> Can't handle that. Can't handle it. Uh, he got lit up by Boston too. Was that last start? Yes. Yeah, last start. So hopefully he comes back soon. But I think that's really gonna tell the story if they need to pull the trigger on some sort of goaltending depth, and hopefully not at any kind of crazy price. But so it seems that they're not a lot of sellers right now, and I think a lot of that has to do with the West being kind of wide open and the and terrible playoff battle <laughs> that's ongoing right now for the wild card spots in the yeah. East. There doesn't seem to be a lot of sellers, not a lot of trade assets, and. You know, Tarasenko, O'Reilly off the market, 
some trades are already happening here. So well, the only team that's entered seller mode is St. Louis. Basically, yeah. is what you're saying. <laughs> and, well, and that's interesting because I think part of the reason why I didn't pay a lot of mind to uh, O'Reilly at first was because I wasn't sure. I was like, St. Louis really gonna sell. retool or yeah. sell or, or whatever they have planned rebuild, and I didn't really think that they were going to. And then once Tarasenko went, it became clear that there's definitely more to it. Well, I got to tell you, man, like, did you hear Braden Shen's quote on the matter? Mm-hmm. That the it play- sounds like they're in a bad way. The players did this to themselves. Yeah. We have ourselves to blame. So I don't think that this was even really in the, in the works for them. And then it didn't go well. And Doug Armstrong said, fuck it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making moves. You guys don't want to play? I'm making moves. And, like, I don't know. I got to give him some credit, man. That's a tough trigger to pull. But they did just win a championship recently, so I think it makes it a little bit. But then you'd think, well, don't you want to chase that again? You just you want to like, build off that. And I, I kind of point to Petrangelo and say, like, maybe that was the, the kind start. of the beginning of the end. Yeah. Maybe they th- foresaw, okay, we can get rid of these older guys. We still got some good pieces. We've got some younger guys coming up. Maybe and it sounds by all accounts from reports that they are just retooling, which makes more sense to me than tearing the whole thing down. Right. Um, I think Jordan Binnington is a joke, to, personally. Well, the antics are too much. Well, that and he just hasn't been that good either to uh, justify it. Yeah, that <laughs> that true, uh, or sorry, that too. Um, but yeah, for me, it's he had that miracle run, right? Yeah, had the miracle, the Matt Murray run. Yeah, the Hamburglar run. I mean, they were last <laughs> place in the NHL on January first. Yeah, and that, they end up winning the Stanley Cup. So maybe that was also a, a slight, like somewhat of an indictment. They just caught lightning in a bottle. They caught and, it, right? Went. I mean, by all accounts, a great hockey team. I would say, you know, they're probably top five in the league that year. So it's not unheard of. I mean, I guess eventually top five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unbelievable run. Um, we just had some breaking news as well before we got to air. Big right? trade. Yeah. Uh, why don't you break it for the listeners? The Arizona Coyotes have acquired Shea Weber. Ooh, those big slap shots. Boy. From from the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> for, for a fourth and Dyson Mayo. Oh, Dyson Mayo. Which is totally a real not made up name. I know. It kind of sounds like something that I, I don't know, like a, a Dyson fan and, and then Mayo in my face. Yeah, fridge. like... I, like um, I don't know, a uh, collaration between Dyson and Helens. <laughs> and Hellman's. <laughs> I'm so glad you went and with And I Hellman's. love mayo, so I'd probably try it. And I'm I, so glad know. you went with Hellman's because Miracle There's Whip. There's only one kind of mayonnaise. Miracle Whip is not mayonnaise. That's correct. It's dressing. You're right. It's, and I hate it. It's yeah. one of my pet I broke peeves. that to my wife, and she like read the label. She's like, huh, Can you pass right. the mayo, please? Yeah. If, if I see Hellman's and Miracle Whip in the same fridge, I'm, I'm going to grab the, the Hellman's because that's the actual mayonnaise. Miracle Whip is trash. And who has both? That's a good question. I thought of that. I thought of that as I was. I feel like, like you're one or the other. <laughs> you are definitely one or the other. Absolutely. Okay. So Shea Weber, obviously, is just a cap dump. I think there's there's not very much an actual salary left. Perfect for the Arizona Coyotes. They don't have to pay him like a million bucks a year or something. Right. It's like a seven-ish cap hit, I believe. Um, and that's going to help them get to the salary floor. Interestingly enough, there was a... Um, Video that came out the other day of Gary Bettman making an appeal to the residents of Tempe who are, uh, there's a bunch of different propositions on the ballot with, with regards to the arena construction that they're proposing. Okay. And he's like, 
he says something along the lines of help us turn this landfill into a landmark. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I feel like that wasn't, they didn't run that through people or, or what? Because that doesn't come off super good. It's like, Hey, this piece of shit town right here. Well, come on, just, just vote for this and we'll, we'll make it nice. Right. I mean, unless they were actually talking unless, were about a physical, a physical landmark. Even then that could get lost there. I guess if you live there, maybe you'd know. But. Right, but it, like if the photo attached to the article is them standing in an actual landfill. Like a pile of burning garbage. <laughs> sure, then they could say, let's turn. But you're right. If it's just generically saying, yeah, Pembroke is a landfill and we want to bring a team here and make it a landmark. Like, wow, thanks, bud. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. And, of course, that trade hits the wires today and I'm like, yeah, more like a friggin' salary cap landfill. That's what they're building there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I still listen. I'm still in the minority where I I do believe that the Arizona Coyotes will ultimately end up like the Florida Panthers or the Dallas Stars. Just ten more where, years. Yeah, sure. They're ten years away from being ten years away. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and and it's not a great thing for me to say because they've been in turmoil for so long, dude. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I do think that, you know, with the with the with the right arena where it needs to be and more eyes on the sport and, and I just they have to have a competitive product. If the owner doesn't spend the money, it's never gonna happen. But I guess Will it? Oh, here's a question. He doesn't have to spend the money now. Will it happen while Gary Bettman is still NHL commissioner? That's a good question. Will there be a point where he'd be able to look back before he rides off in the sunset and be like, I told us so, everybody? I think probably not. Probably not. I think probably not because, I mean, he's been commissioner for so long. Yeah. Already. And he won't let this die. I mean, this is like, you know, the the memes or whatever. It's like, stop, he's already dead. Yeah, yeah. Let them kill me. But, like... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've. This is hard. I, I'm. You're. You're putting me in a weird spot right now because I haven't thought about Batman in a while. You know, like I used to be a a pretty staunch defender of the guy. To be honest with you, like I didn't really like him. Like he was kind of like a dweeb. You know, I didn't really care much for him I, when he would be behind the mic and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the game is great. The game has always been great. It's, it gets better and better every year, more skill, more interest, more revenue, more teams. Like there are things that are wrong with the game, but that doesn't mean that the game sucks. Yeah. If you know what I mean, their ability to adapt to the times yes. technology. We yeah, talked about dinosaurs. this last episode. Yeah. They're dinosaurs. And relative, obviously against the other major sports leagues. Yeah, but that's that that's just as much if not more on the owners, dude. Like what does Bettman have to do with it? He doesn't make the decisions. The owners make the decisions. Yeah. He represents the owners. Yeah, but he's got to strike a balance too, right? No, I hear you, but I mean everybody seems You got to think about what's good for dude, the organization. They ultimately the owners want to make money, right? They want to make more and money. He makes them tons he, of money. Yeah, but they should but they could be making more. Right? I guess, but what, what so what you do you honestly think that if you know, Batman was fired or he retired and someone else came in that all of a sudden they would make more. I think somebody who's been in a position for 30, 30 years gets complacent. I agree with and you they, 100%. There. And that, and you could say that about a hockey team anything. or a no, fucking anything. store. Politics. Whatever the hell it That's is. That's why they like, have the rotation. I think, you know, his, his time has come sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, but I don't know how, how or if 
he'll ever be shown the door. I don't know if there'll ever be a desire within the NHL. Like we're talking about hockey here. We're talking old boys clubs and yeah, no, I know. all this stuff. Like, but dude, when is, you when you look at like he's his, entrenched. But when you look at his rap sheet, right? Like he took over in the mid '90s and he turned. Uh, you know, he turned a, a rock into a diamond, like uh, an expensive rock into a diamond. Like it, the growth, the revenue growth under his tenure is unmatched across any of the major sports. Now that is probably due in large part to the fact that the NHL was already way down here. Well, it I was mean, considered were, a major sport. Yeah, but, but they it, were, they you know. were at one time they were considered like bigger and a more profitable business than the NBA. And this wow. is this this is like the late eighties, early nineties we're talking about here. Right. right. Okay, so I see what you're saying. Well I didn't I mean that's So while the trajectory of the league's been okay, like there's been growth, there's been revenue, there's been more teams. Could they be doing better? If you look around Probably. at major sports, undoubtedly. Yeah, well not not every not everything is gonna be perfect, right? Like you're gonna be able to have room yeah. to grow or you know it could be worse too right i guess ultimately there's the good the bad the coyotes are the ugly yeah for right. sure because they, ugly. It's, it's indefensible at this point i think and it's gotten it's become la or it has been laughable for quite some time now and that is like we're going on several years i mean at least they have an actual owner so you figure that's the best step in the right direction next step is the arena and which seems this to be doing time, well. This time we'll find out if it can actually work because I feel like all the excuses will have run out if it doesn't. If it doesn't, yeah, you're right. Well, there will be no opportunity after that. Like, what? Where do they go after that? Mm -hmm. Luckily for you know Arizona, the team and whatnot, the ownership. It looks like it's going to be a go uh, from all accounts. So things are looking good there. Um, let's move along here. Uh, Marty's ready. You want me to give him a ring? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, here we go. Hello. Hey, Marty. Yes. Hey, man. How you doing today? Josh here. Yeah, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? All right. We're doing great, man. Uh, so, sound check. You got me okay, Marty. My buddy Lesko across the bar from me. Here, There he is. You got me, Marty? I got you. I got both of you guys loud and clear. All right, man. That's great. Well, listen, we're live rolling right now, and uh, we're joined right now, folks, by our guest. As you hear, it's Marty Biron, former NHL goaltender. Just an absolute beauty. Marty, we met in the uh, Bill K Broadcast Center uh, at the Pembroke Memorial Center a couple weeks ago. You were there checking out your young lad for the Kempville 73s. Great hockey game, and... Uh, you know, you joined us up in the booth, and then I kind of chased you down after. I'm not going to lie to see if you would be interested in, in joining the show. So thanks so much for joining us here this evening, man. Always a pleasure to join you guys. And yes, you chased me down, but I was happy you did because um, you guys do a fantastic job calling the games for people like me that are not uh, around a whole lot. And I got to watch my kid on hockey TV and Luckily, though, I did make it to Kemville on Monday for Family Day. Nice. And they played against Broadville, and it was a full-packed house, and it was such a great atmosphere. And, um, yeah, so it was fun. So I got to still come up for a few, but I watch on the computer a lot more, and you guys do a great job and help us stay connected, so I love it. Oh, well, listen, man, I, I thank you very much for those kind words. You know, as a failed broadcaster, it's the perfect spot for me to be. Like, I, you know, I, I did my thing. I, I feel like I put my time in. I probably could have tried harder, but it just wasn't for me. It was a dream of mine, but... 
you know, now that I do it for the Lumber Kings, it's a volunteer gig and I, I wouldn't be anywhere else, Marty. I mean, I was up in the booth for the tail end of the Sheldon Keefe years uh, when they were just steamrolling the league and winning championship after championship. Like that building has been rocking. It's, it's too bad that it wasn't a, a bit of a better crowd when you were there. Although I thought the crowd was pretty good uh, the night that you were there. But yeah, there have been some legendary moments in that old barn and I remember you saying during our interview on hockey tv that it really brought you back to the days when you used to play in those barns well so my junior when I played Quebec major junior um the team is not there anymore it was Beauport which basically turned out to be the Quebec ramparts so they play in the big building in Quebec now but my rink in juniors like if it was a sellout it was 1,810 people. Like 1,810 was announced as a sellout. It was a tiny little building, but it had the same feel as a lot of those CCHL ring. We would go into Shawinigan or Victoriaville or Shakutami, and it had that, that feeling that the building has history, has character. Uh, they're not all the same. Sometimes the ranks are a little wider, a little shorter, the corners are a little different. The benches are a little different. So when I sat down in Pembroke to take in that game between the Lumber Kings and the uh, 73s, I'm like, this is really cool. I love it. And something that you always have to get when you're at a, a junior rank is the smell of those fries from the snack shack. <laughs> like, I mean, it made me so hungry. It was great. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, listen, Marty, uh, let, let, let me go through your rap sheet here, okay? Retired goaltender, NHL. Obviously, we know that. Current studio analyst covering the Buffalo Sabres on MSG and Sabres Live. Also an analyst for TSN and RDS, respectively. And then, of course, you're appearing on the Power Play in the afternoons on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio Channel 91. We've had a couple of uh, the boys from NHL Network Radio, Tyler Mataraz and Jake Hahn. They're regular guests on this program, so we're familiar with those boys. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you do a lot out there, don't you, Marty? You're, you're, you're around, eh? There's not really a, a day goes by where you're not uh, offering your takes on, on recent events. You know, and I love it. And so when I retired, so, I mean, I'll take you back to 10 years ago, 2013, the start of the 13-14 season. I'm with the New York Rangers. I am kind of know this is probably going to be my last year. Um, and the start of the year wasn't a great start, like training camp and everything. Not hockey-wise, but it was hard because my family was back in Buffalo. I um, My third kid so I Jacob who plays in Kemville is my you know oldest but then I have three daughters so my second daughter was starting kindergarten and I remember putting her on the bus to go to school our first day of kindergarten and then I had to leave to go to New York for camp and I'm like this is really hard and you come to a place in your life when you're like Ugh, maybe I should start doing something else and think about doing something else but I wanted to give it give it a try one more year and a month into it, I'm like, this is not working. I think I'm done. But one thing I told myself and I really committed to doing is I don't want to sit around. I want to immerse myself in what would be a second career. So I started doing some TSN work, some MSG New York work, uh, some RDS work. I was doing some on-ice goalie instruction work. I was working a ton. 
and it keeps me going. It really, really keeps my brain going, keeps my body going. Uh, I love taking in all the action, you know, and, and all sports, really. I'm a fan of all sports, but obviously when the hockey season is going on, it's all NHL. So, um, so yeah, so the fact that I have my hands into a lot of different things uh, is the way for me to keep going, to keep studying the game, to keep learning about the game. So that's that's why I like to do it because I feel like without it, um, I, I just I, – I don't want to say I wouldn't survive, but it would it would really be hard mentally for me to just keep going because I, I really like to have a – uh, a purpose and a goal, and that's my purpose and my goal. Yeah, it was good to see that you were able to transition so smoothly into media after your career. Um, I did want to take you back to Buffalo, 18 years old. You get the call. You were just drafted earlier in that year, and they put you out against the 95-96 Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Ron Francis, and God knows who else. How was that? I got to hear the story. How did it feel? What was it like? Well, I mean, I wasn't the Sabres' first option to play the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> that year, but they were down to nobody. So that's how it happened. So you got to go back a couple of weeks before that. I went to the World Juniors Team Canada training camp. It was in Campbellton, New Brunswick, and I got caught last. Um, the goalies that made the team that year were Jose Theodore and Mark Denny. Two really good goalies. They won gold medal. So it was it was great, right? But I got caught last. So I came back home for the Christmas break. And then on Christmas Eve, I got a phone call from Larry Carrier, who was our assistant GM in Buffalo, and he spoke French, right? So he calls me and he goes, Hey Marty, you're gonna you're gonna have to take a plane tomorrow to Pittsburgh, <laughs> and then we have the game the next day on December twenty-sixth. Uh, you know, Hashik is injured. Trefilov, which was the backup, is injured. Rob Stauber, who was the starter in Rochester, is injured. So the only two goalies that we have left is Steve Shields, who was the backup in Rochester, and myself. So you guys have to be in Pittsburgh for the game. So I'm like, this is just a whirlwind. I have no idea what's going on. I ended up going to my grandma's for Christmas Eve, and then the next day I'm packing my bags to go to Pittsburgh, right? And I almost missed the morning skate uh, on the morning of the 26th because the bus was supposed to come pick me up at the hotel. I didn't have a cell phone. Like, not a lot of people had cell phones in 95. Right. So I didn't get a call. They're trying to call my room. I'm in the lobby. All of a sudden, one of the team personnel ran into the hotel and was like, Marty, the bus is late, so they're going straight to the rink. So you got to get to the rink. I'm running through the street of Pittsburgh with my equipment on, like my bag, not my equipment on, like dress, but my bag, my bag over my shoulder. This guy's helping me get to the rink. I got to the rink, did the morning skate. I never really done a morning skate. In juniors, you go to school during <laughs> right. the day and then you play that night. So I was like, whoa, this is all new. Uh, went back to the hotel you know, grabbed a pregame meal, didn't really know what was going on. And then that night, I remember going, and the, you remember specific things. So in Pittsburgh at the old Igloo, the old Mellon Arena, you had to go to the opposite end for warm-up. So somehow the Sabres locker room is, let's see, on the left side, 
but your zone is on the right side and Pittsburgh's locker room is on the right side, but their zone is on the left. So you have to cross over. And we got on the ice first. So I'm in the corner stretching. I didn't realize the door next to me was where the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to come out of. <laughs> so the door opens and everybody goes right in front of me, right? <laughs> Mario Lemieux was always the last one out of the locker room. And so there was kind of a wait, a buzz. The crowd goes crazy. And then Mario steps on the ice and he taps me on the pads and he says, good luck, kid. And he <laughs> skates away. And I'm looking this big, tall number 66 skating away. And I'm like, I think I'm in trouble. But, oh, you know, that's just the way it is. How so, many did he get? Mario didn't get any. Yager got two oh. uh, in the first period. I gave up four in the first period, got pulled. Second period, we were down 6-2, so I went back in for the third period. Um, did not give up any more, hey. uh, but still, like I, I think it was the start of my love-hate relationship with the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> I either played really well or really badly against them. Uh, Yaramir Yager owned me for my whole career. He always scored. Obviously, he's a great player, but Mario... Funny enough, I've played maybe a handful of games against Mario Lemieux, uh, mostly when he returned after, you know, his first retirement. Uh, he never scored a goal against me. So oh, I've got no. that in my – I've got this little feather in my hat, in my, in my cap, saying, like, hey, Mario Lemieux never scored a goal against me. So no, no, good. you need a plaque, all right? We we, we got to get you a, a, a pucks-in-deep plaque that says zero GAA versus Mario Lemieux. Well, <laughs> yes, but I think he's had like 26 points in like seven games or something. So, yeah, that – that, we're not going to count that. <laughs> right, of course not. Goals. Nobody cares about assists anymore. Come on. <laughs> Marty, tell us about that morning skate, man. I mean, you know, you said junior, you go to school. Then you go and you, you do your quick warm-up before the Zamboni, uh, before the game, you know. And even that was cool to the juniors. You know, you get to go out and skate around for warmies and then go back to the room while the Zamboni comes out. So you'd never partaken in a morning skate before. It was your first one ever, I'm sure. you. How did that go? Well, it was weird because, number one, I didn't really know anybody. I didn't know, like, what the, 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 the routine and the schedule was like. So I'm staying on the ice because I think I'm just backing up that night. I'm on the ice taking shots and shots, and then I'm kind of taking my time in the locker room, just taking it all in. And then Rip Simonic and Jim Pizzitelli were our equipment manager and athletic trainer, and they both came to me at one point, and they're like, uh, okay, you got to go back to the hotel now. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like showering and then I'm like, well, where do I go at the hotel? And they're like, well, there's going to be a pregame meal. Go to the room, eat, and that's what you got to do. So I go back to the hotel and eat. And then I'm sitting there just kind of waiting. Nobody is around. Everybody's done, done and gone. And then again, the equipment manager and the athletic trainer, they were in the room and they're like, now you should go back to your room. The bus is at 4.30. You got to get back for the bus. Well, this is one of the funniest and most like kind of terrifying story I've ever had. So because I was there the night early, I was there on December 25th. The Sabres flew up on the morning of the 26th. So that night I had a room to myself, right? There's a couple of you know beds in the room, but I'm by myself. So after the pregame meal, I went back to my room and all of a sudden, the room is pitch black, the curtains are drawn, and I'm kind of walking in like, what's going on? 
there's somebody in the other bed. Like I had a roommate. I had no idea. I'm like, who is this guy? So, and he's sleeping. He's so sound asleep, taking his pregame nap. I had never taken a pregame nap in my life. So I'm like, okay. So I kind of went in my bed thinking like, okay, what do I do now? And about a half hour later, he got up, got dressed and left. And I'm like, who was that? Like, I didn't even know if it was a player. Wait, were a you coach. were you fake sleeping when he got up, or did you also get up and say like, "Hey, man, what's up?" I I kind of just opened my eyes, and I think I was just like shocked with the events of what was happening. And later to find out, it was Yuri Himalev. Yuri Himalev was a great saber player, great Russian players, right with the USSR back in the days and all of that. But he didn't speak a lot of English either, so. I don't think he wanted to start a conversation with me. I didn't really want to start a conversation. I didn't really know what was going on. So, yeah. So, Yuri Imelev was my first NHL roommate for, like, literally a half an hour and scared the crap out of me because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> oh, wow. What a story. That's interesting, too, because you have no idea. Like, you think, oh, I got this nice room to myself and then wait, <laughs> walk in there and there's some stranger lying in there. Um, we got to ask you, of course, about – the dominator, Dominic Hasek. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of what was it like coming up with the Sabres at that time, you know, when he's just carrying them around on his back? And, and you know, how was that for you, just kind of knowing, you, despite having really good numbers, that, you know, you, you weren't really going to get an edge on the guy? Well, that was interesting because Dom, when I got drafted in 95, I believe he had just won the MVP award that year, or maybe the next year was his first MVP. So he was entering like his prime, right? At the prime Dominic Ashik. So my first training camp, I remember my first uh, preseason game, and there's literally 15 minutes left on the clock before we're on for warm up, and I'm fully dressed. I even have like, I think I have my mask on. I'm like getting ready to go. And Dominic Ashik is walking around the locker room with just his hockey gitch on or whatever. And I'm thinking, like, is is this guy going to get dressed for the game? Like, <laughs> he was a different bird. He was stretching, doing the full split, and just like he was so flexible. And I was just in awe of everything that Hasek was doing. In warm-ups, he played every shot like it was Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 overtime. He didn't let the player score. In the game... He was so acrobatic. It was so fun to watch. But then the next day, so he played a half a game against St. Louis, and then I finished the second half. We won in overtime. It was a fun event, all of that. But the next day in practice is when I realized, oh, like there's a big, big step between juniors and the NHL because I was kind of like tired from the game. I was a little sore. Like this was emotionally your drain. Like this is a lot. Dominic Hasek was on the ice for probably an hour and a half of practice, and literally guys could not score on him. And he had just played the night before. Well, he'd like, be that's pissed what, too. Hey, he'd be pissed. Oh, he'd be so mad if you scored on him. I remember a story where Curtis Brown and Wayne Primo, Keith's younger brother Wayne, uh, they were like first year guys, couple like second year guys, and Wayne scored on a breakaway on Dominic Ashek towards the end of practice. And after practice, Dom told Wayne Primo and Curtis Brown, you guys, you have to take breakaways. And he wouldn't get out of the net 
until they scored. <laughs> they took like 50-some breakaways and could not score on Dominic Hasek. <laughs> he, wa- he wanted to prove a point. And there's the, the two young bucks, right? They're like, oh, like we're going to score and we're going to be done. Like a half hour later, they're still trying to score on Hasek on breakaways. That's that's how he was in practice. And, and really, it made everybody better. And I learned a lot from him. That's crazy. It, you know, it, it's a different time, right? Like that was such a, a different era, Marty. And do you find at all that, like, does it get difficult at all to kind of translate from the era of hockey that was when, when you played versus the era of hockey that we're seeing now where your son Jacob plays in the CCHL here in the same league as the Lumber Kings? Like, is it, how different is it? It must be so different. It's different, but I'm not one of those that look at my generation and say, oh, you know, it was the golden years of hockey uh, because, to be honest with you, it wasn't. There needed to be some changes. We had a lockout for a reason and rule changes for a reason and goalie equipment changes for a reason. Uh, But I also think that there is some great value with what we experienced and what we worked through um, that could be applied to today's generation. Now, they're much better than we were. Uh, the game is much better now than it ever was. Right. But it will continue to evolve and get even better and better and better. So, I mean, I don't want to be this old dinosaur that beats, bangs on the drum and says, oh, in our days we did it like this. We, no, because you know what? That's what evolution, that's what the game's evolving, and it should. So I love having these these conversation with with the junior players with the 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 12 year olds or with the AHL guys or the young NHL players as to well what do you train what do you do in practice how do you 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 know figure, like uh do your nutrition and all of that like back in my days post game recovery was a case of 24 beers on the bus <laughs> and in the 20 minute ride from the ring to the airport, like that case of 24 would be gone <laughs> by the end of my career. If I had six beers on the bus ready to pass them around, I would have one and I put the other five in my bag to take home because <laughs> nobody would do it. Like it was recovery shake, like, you know, water, Gatorade, whatever it was. Right. It was, that's what it was. This this generation of players takes so much better care of themselves. The game is much more um, physical than it was, even though you don't have the big Scott Stevens hits and Chris, Chris Pronger hit. But the game is more physical. So I I like to learn and study what's happening now because I think it makes me a better analyst, but it also helps me to help, you know, my kid Jacob or others to achieve what they ultimately want to achieve. Yeah, your career spanned a really interesting timeline in the league, you know, starting in the 90s and and retiring in uh towards the mid I guess late 20, uh 2000s there. But yeah. How is that that I guess spending all that time with Buffalo for example, I I I'm kind of curious actually to get your opinion on 
you you saw two different, I guess, really good groups with the Buffalo Sabres. There was the yeah. Hasek, Pekka, Satan era, I guess you could say, where they went deep and lost to the Dallas Stars. And then there was, uh, I guess, an era I remember a little more, and that's the Briere, Jury, and uh, Ryan Miller era, uh, where they were lighting up the league and uh, had a good couple playoff runs. So which one do you think kind of was better overall? Well, it's funny because it was the same coach, right? It was Lindy Ruff mm-hmm. for a lot of these years that coached that those teams. And so the the Briere Drury, Finneganov, Vanek, Pominville, Roy, uh, Miller, like that era, that team was way better than I think the Hashek Pekka, uh, you know, I mean, like Pekka's, the top line for the Sabres when they lost to Dallas was Pekka, Dixon Ward and Vasla Varada. And you're wow. like, who? Like, yeah, who? really? But, <laughs> but Lindy Ruff, again, evolving with the times, like Lindy Ruff in the late 90s was, we need to win games two to one. Mm-hmm. That's how you win games. You trap it up, you have good goaltending, you play a simple game, you win the game two to one. In 05 06, when the rule changes came in and it opened up, the game and there was, you know, less obstruction, less hooking and, and, you know, holding and all of that. His goal was let's go out and win 5-4. Let's go out and win 6-5. So Lindy Ruff was a little bit like what I learned from is he evolved. Mm-hmm. So I got to see the let's win 2-1 to one, and then let's win 6-5. to five. Now, as a goaltender, oh, man, I love the win, winning 2-1. to one. My save percentage and my goals against average was a lot better. But for the overall product, like winning 5-4 was way better for the fans. And it really was better for me too because I, I, I could feel that this team that was in front of me and really much more in front of Ryan Miller had all the potential in the world. Like that was so much fun. You know, I was looking through your highlights, Marty. Um, you didn't get like, if you listen back to the intro of our show tonight, you'll, you'll see what I mean, but there were two highlights there. We're going to talk to you about both of them, of course, but the one that really struck a chord with me was what I think is gotta be the best save you've ever made in the NHL, but maybe you have another that wasn't caught on camera or something, but you absolutely rob Andy Delmore. Um, yeah. af- after a bit of a uh, adventure in the yeah. corner, <laughs> I, um, just you must remember it, man. Um, Rick Jeanneret on the call, as you know, just iconic classic calls. I mean, what were you thinking playing that puck in the corner? It worked out for well, you. I, I was. I always liked playing the puck, and when they uh, added the trapezoid. Um, to limit the goalies from playing the puck, it helped me because I was one that liked an adventure, as you pointed out. <laughs> and I was always out there trying to help my defenseman. But yeah, I went into the corner, made a bad play. John LeClaire was coming in. I tried to bump John LeClaire a little bit. The guy was a monster. He barely moved, made the play to Andy Delmore. And then I dove across the crease with my stick up in the air, like Superman flying across the crease. And I made the save. Now, a couple of things about that. I, I played with Andy Delmore in Buffalo for like a couple of months later. Uh, and and Delhi was so funny because he said he hadn't scored an NHL goal. And he thought that was going to be his first NHL goal. <laughs> and when I made the save, he said, 
if somehow he never gets to score in the NHL and that was the one that I rubbed him up, I would have been at the top of his list of people to go and pay a visit, right? <laughs> but luckily for me, he did score a, a goal and, and many more. He was a good offensive defenseman for a little bit. So that's the one thing that happened in that game. Uh, the second thing that people don't realize, and I remember correctly, we lost that game 2-1 in overtime. I gave up a goal to, I think it's Dan McGillis or Chris Therrien, one of the two big defensemen for the Flyers, like a slap shot 5-0 that made the game 1-1 shortly after that save. It's almost like I got so excited about making the save that I forgot that there was an actual game to play. <laughs> and they, they took a shot from the blue line and it beat me 5-0. And I'm like, Ugh. damn it. Like, But that's what I remember from it because the goalie nature is – you got to be perfect, and you remember the goals more than the saves sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I remember we lost that game, and I was pissed because I had made that big save but couldn't win the game. Well, the the fact that you robbed, you know, a player of his first NHL goal, I don't know if that makes the story better or worse. I'm leaning, <laughs> I'm leaning better because if it was just another it's better because yeah. he did score later, but if it had been his only chance and he walks out of you know, his career with zero NHL goals, like that would have been a lot worse. Yeah, he was actually Andy Dunlore was a pretty solid player there yeah. for a number of years. I remember yeah. him. Um, the other highlight that we referenced in our intro was a very notorious one, another fantastic call, of course, um, was that from that crazy game against the Ottawa Senators where you went toe-to-toe with the toughest goalie, perhaps one of the toughest guys in the league, Ray Emery. So you got to tell us a story and – why would you subject yourself to that? <laughs> Although, when well, I say Marty, you I, did well. You did, you did well. well. I, I did okay. I did not do well. Uh, I was not able to throw any punches, really, because I went in wrong. And this is – so my brother, who also played in the NHL, but at the time that year, he was with the Hamilton Bulldogs of the AHL, uh, and he did win a Calder Cup that season. But he came – to Buffalo to watch that game. He had a night off, decided, hey, I'm going to come to Buffalo, watch your game. So after the game, he says to me, he says, what were you doing? I'm like, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have fought Ray Emery. He goes, no, if you're going to fight him, like why would you fight him as a lefty? I'm like, I have no idea. What are you talking about? He goes, you grabbed with your right hand. You need to grab with your left hand. You grab his right arm with your left hand, and then you hope that your right arm is free. You grab with your right hand, and his right arm was free, and he just pummeled you. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. So anyway, so that is the ins and out of fighting. But <laughs> I always, always thought maybe one day I'll have a fight. Not that I was chasing a fight, but these things sometimes present themselves. And maybe I will be like Felix Padve when he beat up Ron Ekstall, yeah. right? Like Ekstall was the toughest goalie ever, but – Felix beat the crap out of yeah. him in a brawl between Toronto and, and the Flyers. And I'm, but you got to know Felix to know that it was not lucky and it was not unexpected. Felix Podvan was a scrappy kid, mm -hmm. got a lot of fights as a youth, um, like street fighting or whatever, um, involved with like motorcycles and all of that. So, <laughs> so he was tough. Nobody knew that, but he was tough. So I didn't know that. And I thought, Here's the little guy like David who beats Goliath, right? That's me. I'm going to be like Felix. I'm going to take on a tough guy one day and I'll win. Um, so the opportunity presented itself against Ray Emery. 
Not that I wanted to, but it was there in the silver platter. Chris Neal hits Chris Drury. Drury's knocked out, unconscious on the ice, concussion. We had a bunch of injuries leading up to it. Lindy Ruff puts Adam Mayer, Andrew Peters, and Pat Coletta on the ice. I know what's going to happen. I'm like, let's go. We're going to do it. So, <laughs> yeah, I squared off with Ray Emery. And funny enough, we're recording this on Wednesday, February 22nd. At this time, uh, what is it? It's about 6.10. I was getting ready for the game. That is 16 years ago tonight oh, that wow. that game happened. What? So, yeah. So, wow. that was my last. That was my last game in Buffalo as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. Really? We did play in Ottawa a few days later, and then I got traded to Philadelphia the next week. So that was my my swan song <laughs> in Buffalo with the Sabres. Well, well I'll tell you one thing. That's a glory right yeah, there. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Marty. I think one of the reasons why Lesko and I both said, hey, you know, you did well, man. You did well. Like, I'll tell you, Rick Jenneret really sold you on that one. Well, I, I, yes. <laughs> you know, I, yes, I, I, go and listen to the Ottawa Senators call, and then it's a, <laughs> it's a bloodbath. It's like, Ray Embry's got Biron, and he's feeding him right, and right, and another right, and a right. And I'm like, no, that, that highlight should be, like, cleaned off the internet. We should only have Rick Jenneret's highlight because I look – respectable in that one you there do you and, and and even at one point in the call he goes so far as to say uh he says and Biron takes down emory <laughs> because i yeah. think you kind of you kind of <laughs> tripped him you know like you were on we the kind of stuck yeah you we were kind of stuck a little bit and then he, 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 ray was gracious and and i Unfortunately, we lost Ray. Um, you know, he passed away way too young mm -hmm. a few years ago, and we never got to talk about it. Uh, but Ray is on top of me, and he could have fed me my lunch right there. And Ray didn't. And he actually looked at me. He goes, let's get up and square up again. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And then we got tangled up, and he fell. And then I got up, and then he looked over and saw Andrew Peters. And Ray was like, Marty? I'm so sorry, but you were the appetizer, and now my my meal is coming. And he decided to take on Petey, oh. which obviously Petey was a tough guy, and Ray was used to fighting tough guys. So, um, yeah, so I got basically just stood out right there on the ice at center ice. Well, that's awesome, man. You know, we talked a little bit about Rick Jenneret. Um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts just on, you know, the, the Sabres. Like, they've been a bit of a story here they're they're doing the leaf thing right when the leafs missed the playoffs for 100 years you know like the the sabers are are there now you know like they kind of hold that un, unfortunate trophy if you will you know you're you're surrounded by the sabers they're they're a big part of your life still um i i personally am a little bit disappointed to see that they haven't been able to get there because i really did enjoy uh, Sabres hockey when it was bumping and the team was really good. Uh, I don't think they're really far away uh, from that. But you know what? What's the state of the Sabres like as we sit today? I mean, are we are we looking to build this thing up and get to get over that hump soon, or or what? Yeah, they're on the right path, and you're right. Like you know, the fan base in Western New York and Southern Ontario is. And, and and that it is Sabres or even Leafs. Like you see it last night, the Leafs come into Buffalo. It's flooded with Leafs fans. Uh, and it's a little frustrating because it's like, hey, that's our house. That's our building. Don't come in here. But there's Leafs fans everywhere in the National Hockey League, maybe more in Buffalo because of the proximity. But the buzz is there and it's fun. 
and the rivalry between the Leafs and the Sabres, the 99, uh, you know, conference finals, right? That, that was, that was the epitome of it. And it was great. So, so I can't wait until it gets there. Here's the problem. The Leafs were able to do one quick rebuild. They drafted Matthews. They drafted Marner. Mm -hmm. They drafted Nylander. They signed John Tavares as a free agent. Like they were able to do one rebuild and now they're, you know, benefiting from it. The Sabres kind of went through two of them. Mm -hmm. And this is like the, the second or third one and hoping that it comes through. Like they drafted Jack Eichel first overall. They had Sam Reinhardt second overall. They had Rasmus Ristolainen. and they had those guys and it didn't work. So they move on from that. And now they're hoping that the Darlene, Owen Power, Tage Thompson, Alex Stuck, you know, that's going to take. And I think it will. They're on their way. But as we saw last night when the Leafs took a 5 nothing lead, um, there's a big gap still, right, between a team that knows what they're supposed to do and a team that's just trying to figure it out. So I really hope that they're on their way, and I think they are. Uh, but every year is so competitive that you can win the President's Trophy one year like Florida – and the next year, you could be fighting for your playoff lives. That's, right. that's the way the league goes. Yeah, it seems they're well on their way to building something sustainable. There are tons of young talent, like the guys you named, and there is even more, of course, uh, Jack Quinn, Dylan Cousins. Um, they're going to be an yeah. exciting team to watch for sure. Um, I just want to get your thoughts, I guess, and this is a bit of a crossover for us, but Ryan O'Reilly, um, just kind of about how I guess he would have been part of that first rebuild. I guess he would have been there. Um, I guess there was some crossover yeah. with Eichel and then uh, obviously to St. Louis and now to the Maple Leafs. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on him as a Sabre and now as a Maple Leaf. Well, when Ryan O'Reilly came over to Buffalo, um, it was a – there was a cultural change in Buffalo, and I think Ryan O'Reilly was a big part of that. Um, we all know that you know Ryan O'Reilly is a student of the game. Like he does post game pra post practice practice, like skill practice, and he really helped put this this young core, uh, Eichel and Reinhardt and those guys, the right way. Um, but it was hard for Ryan, and obviously at the age that he was to see that this team just couldn't get themselves going and losing and losing and losing became very difficult. And he spoke from his heart one year at the end of the season. And he's like, I've lost the love of hockey. And, and I, I understand that. Um, and then he went to St. Louis and really, to be honest with you, that Ryan O'Reilly trade probably helped the Sabres in their rebuild, right? Because mm -hmm. they ended up with Tage Thompson. They traded a first round pick somewhere else, but Anyway, it really helped the Sabres build the core that they have right now. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly went to St. Louis, won a cup. Great for him. Was a, you know, um, uh, uh, MVP at the end of the, uh, uh, of the playoffs. Great for him. He, he's, he's one of the better defensive center in the league. Great for him. And right now, again, with St. Louis, I think it was, you could see Ryan O'Reilly was like, Ugh, this is not going the right way. We're in a rebuild again. And now he's energized again by the Leafs. Like his performance last night, three goals and assist, uh, was was pretty cool. But I think Ryan O'Reilly, in the best case scenario for me with the Leafs, is a third line center. He's not playing in the top six. He's a third line center. He's more of a defensive center, and he really gives the Leafs that that added depth in the playoffs to be able to beat Tampa 
maybe beaten Boston and really moved that way. Marty, so, I'm telling you, Valentine's Day was just a couple of days ago. But I'm a little late, but I love you, man. Am I ever glad you said that? <laughs> Lesko and I had a heated argument earlier about it. I said I'm concerned. I said I'm concerned oh, if he wow. plays. I like he, how I'm, I'm settling the argument right now. I didn't Marty. even know that. <laughs> I mean, for for what it's worth, okay, it's not like we were, you know, Lesko was adamant that he has to play there or that I was adamant that he has to play somewhere else. I was just expressing my concern that, you know, I mean, if he's not at third line center, is he really like, was he that necessary? You know, is it that necessary that we have to plug him in at L2 um, or plug, you know, Taveras over to L2 when he's perfectly fine at, at three C and gives us the depth up the middle that would basically be unmatchable. So, so here's what I was gathering, talking to some of the Toronto media yesterday is that, like Sheldon Keefe likes to do this when they acquire a new player is give them the, the full candy, right? Like when Nick Foligno was traded to the Leafs, he ended up playing with Matthews. It was like, oh, let's try him there. Right. But but in the end, that's not the, the bigger picture, right? But also, what I love that the Leafs are doing right now is they're testing it out. Hey, could O'Reilly play with Tavares and Marner? Because if we're in the playoff series and we're down a goal – you know, the third period, can we load up our top six? Can O'Reilly keep up, right? Can O'Reilly make plays with them? So this may be as an experimentation now, and later you go more into your structure of Riley, O'Reilly being the third-line center, and it works. But I, I like that a new player, there's no way, no better way to make him feel welcome than to play him with Marner and Tavares. Like, yeah. that's uh, that's that's you know, on a silver platter right there. Yeah, I can't beat that for uh, an intro to the team. And I agree with you that Sheldon's kind of tinkering around to see what he's got and make sure he's familiar when playing in a whole bunch of different situations. Uh, I guess we got to ask you a goalie question here, but I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on the Leafs' current goalie situation, uh, given that they're starting to really lean into Samsonov with the injury to Matt Murray. Uh, Matt Murray apparently slated to come back within the next week or two, but who knows what that's going to look like, right? Yeah, who knows what that's going to look like. I am Look, I don't think Matt Murray is coming in to compete for the number one spot. Um, I don't think you can. And I, I don't, I don't want to say this and sound so negative, but you are a week away from the trade deadline or so. You're a week and a, you know, away from the end of February and the beginning of March. This is not November, December hockey. You can't have question marks and your roster in big position, right? Top line, top defenseman, top line center, top goaltender. And Matt Murray would be a question mark because of his performances, but also because of his health. Mm -hmm. At least with Samsonov, you know, like a little bit more what you're getting. Um, But I really don't think the Leafs could do anything in the crease. I don't think they can get really much of an upgrade around the NHL if they add a depth goaltender, does that really make a difference? They have Joseph Wall and, and Eric Schalgren if they need them. Like, I just feel like they're stuck with where they are right now. They made their one trade. Maybe they look to add a piece on defense. Uh, but Samsonov has performed well. Um, if I put him in a series against Vasilevsky, well, obviously Vasilevsky's got the edge in that. If I put Samsonov in a series against 
Boston and Linus Olmark. Well, Olmark has the edge. I, I could get, I couldn't give the edge to Toronto in any playoff series uh, this year, but at least he's he's the better option of the two. Well, you echoed my sentiments from earlier in the show once again, <laughs> Marty. I mean, you and I got to get together and have a round of golf or something. I think we'd be good buds. I think we can make that work at some point. Uh, that's for sure. But but again, I'll tell you this: they're not like crazy ideas. They're not hard hitting ideas. They're they're simple for me to see. Now, could Matt Murray come in and play like healthy and play some really good games, and all of a sudden he starts game one of the playoffs? He could, but. I wouldn't be feeling really good about it if I was the Leafs. Yeah, it seems highly unlikely. And you, just quickly, you mentioned Linus Allmark. Isn't he kind of the one that got away there for Buffalo? Because, man, could they use a goalie right now. Like, that could be one of the big difference for them taking the next step. Um, yes and no. Uh, Linus Allmark is doing unbelievably well this year. And he is a good goaltender. We saw that in Buffalo as well. Now, he did have some injury issues in Buffalo over his time here. So that was also a question mark long-term. And two, like Kevin Adams was a new GM, and his big thing was, we need to change the culture in Buffalo. We want people that want to be here. Like, do you want to be here in Buffalo? Do you want to turn this franchise around? And the sentiment I got is that the Sabres felt that they had a deal with Lena Solmark, and then the morning of free agency, Lena's and his agent basically asked for more. They asked for an extra year. They asked for a little bit more money. And Kevin Adams put his foot down and said, no, we're not doing that. If you want to be here, this is the deal. It's fair. That's what we agreed on. Or in principle, we're agreeing on. And if you want more, go get more somewhere else. Hmm. So that was basically the sense that I got, which is fine. Like as an organization, you have to, Stand by your principle, and the principles were we want players that want to be here. Now, Boston is a much better team than Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, would Linus Olmark be top Vezina candidates if he was in Buffalo? I don't know, but I don't think it would be. Look at Jeremy Swayman. He's he's having a great year in Boston, too. So Boston's a little bit uh, – better position for Allmark to have success. But yeah, no doubt. Linus is having a fantastic year and it should be commended for that. Yeah. It's kind of like the age old debate about Marty Brodeur, you know, like, wow, would he, would he have been Marty Brodeur if it weren't for the devils in the trap game? And you know, you can't really play that game, right? It's, it's apples and oranges and the way it stands now, he's having a great season. And if you're the Buffalo Sabres, I don't think it's time to, you know, look back on anything necessarily. No, and you got you got Devin Levi coming in, and mm-hmm. you guys in the CCHL have seen course, Devin, yes. Devin play with the Carlton Place Canadians, and and he had a fantastic year before going out to Northeastern. Um, I, it's my, in my opinion, and my observation to think that Devin is going to finish his college year this year, going to sign a contract and turn pro. Does that mean he goes right to Buffalo? Does that mean he goes to Rochester? Uh, how long will it take Devin to make his way to Buffalo? We'll see. But I see in Devin Levi a goaltender that's kind of like UC Soros that could have a really big impact 
on what the Sabres are going to be like in a few years from now. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I'll tell you, Marty. I mean, there was uh, not too many goals that I got to call for the Lumber Kings when that when that kid was playing <laughs> in that, man. It was something else. Uh, listen, you've been something else tonight, Marty. We, we've, we've held you for long enough tonight. We want to make sure that we might be able to get you back on the Pucks and D podcast at some point. So uh, thanks so much for joining us tonight. I did have one last parting question for you on behalf of my color commentator co-host in the bill k broadcast center rich shop you big flyer fan he yeah. wanted me to double check with you that you weren't kidding when you told him to bring his legs to the alumni thing he's a little worried about that so is it well, really high tempo or what there's there's different levels and you try to match up like skill levels like depending on who's on the ice and whatnot but the thing is is because I, you have a practice, you have a game, you have an event that night. You don't get a lot of sleep. The next day you have two games. Um, and you're, you know, most amateur beer leaguer players don't play five games in three days on top of having dinners and, and the beer and the wine and <laughs> right. all of that. So I'm saying by day three, the legs are usually hurting and wobbly. And so I'm saying, Bring the legs because the body doesn't know what they uh, what they're in store for. <laughs> okay, man. Well, he he's excited to tune into this episode, knowing that you're going to be joined that you were joining us here. So, uh, once again, man, listen. Thanks so much for uh, for your time this evening, Marty. It was a real pleasure having you. Uh, hope you enjoyed yourself as much as or as half as we did. It was really great having you, man. And hopefully, we can talk to you again down the road someday. No, absolutely. Loved it. And yeah, next time when I come on, now that we've done my whole career and stuff, we'll be able to talk more Leafs, more NHL stuff. And uh, maybe we'll, you know, maybe in the playoffs, maybe we'll have to do it when the playoffs get going. Okay, there but listen, we'll, we'll put you on the hot seat like we do with all of our other guests. Uh, are the Leafs going to win one this year? Are they winning a round, Marty? Um. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> I think he already said I'll no, basically, this. earlier. <laughs> this is their best chance this year because I don't think Tampa is as strong as they've been the last few seasons. But if I had to pick right now, I would pick Tampa. Oh, and it's boy. not that the Leafs are not a good team, but it's just the luck of the draw. The top six teams in the league are in the Eastern Conference. Yep. I mean, seriously. Yeah. It's just the way it's falling. And I would I would pick Vasilevsky and Hedman and Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and those guys um, in the matchup. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll have you back on after they win the <laughs> round. Okay? How's that? Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Marty. Appreciate it, buddy. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Take care. You too. Thanks. All right, well, that's Marty Biron. You can uh, catch him uh, on Twitter at MartyBiron43. What a beauty. Great stories. Great storyteller. I know, and I know from we've seen him on TV for well over a decade now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The guy loves to talk, got lots of stories, and it's especially even just like that first game, to, I, you know, I had no idea – had not heard any of those stories before either. Just I know. about going to the wrong end and having Mario tap him on the way out. Dude, just the like, guy I being... would have broken if that happened to me. First game, 18 years old, you're already sweating, and then you realize you're in the wrong spot, so you're fucking embarrassed, and then Mario gives you a little love tap yeah. on the way out. Dude, the, the guy being asleep in the other bed yeah. in, in the hotel room was hilarious. And the other thing that was so funny was when he was like, 
there I am running down the road in the streets of Pittsburgh with my gear on. <laughs> like, I know that that's almost certainly something that just kind of gets lost in translation. That's a, that was a French guy thing. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But I'm just picturing Marty Biron. I did picture like, him with all his gear on at first <laughs> running down the street. Running down the street. Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, man. Some some um, like some insider information, too, on the Allmark situation. I had no yep, idea. I had not heard that You know, story. I had no idea about that. And um, sounded like... Like he had a great time, and he stayed with us for a lot longer than uh, than was originally planned, which tends to happen here on the Pucks Indie podcast. That's you know, how you know you're doing a good job. Yeah, I think you're right, Lesko. Like guys will say, "Listen, man, I can give you 30, maybe 40 max," you know, and and they end up being on for an hour. Like Duffy was another good example. Like he said, uh, 30. 35 tops I think it was and he was with us for over 50 minutes like and it was at never at one point in the conversation was it like man we better get this wrapped up he's got somewhere to be uh, he did he, have somewhere to be too. but he, <laughs> even tonight with Marty like I don't know what he's up to like he's on I was he's on li- everything but listen I was listening to him uh, on NHL radio as I pulled into my yard to come into the garage oh, yeah. to get things going. And I'm like, fucking guy, like he's talking right now. And then he's going to be on with us in basically 45 minutes, you know? So he just hung up the phone or he turned off his Zoom call. I think they do Zoom. He turned that off and then he basically was was there for us. So yeah, I didn't want to hold on to him all night, but sounds like he'll uh, sounds like he'll be back. First guest that we've had on the show that said that they, the Leafs wouldn't win. Yeah, I know. It's like no one wants to disappoint us usually, so they throw us a bone. Yeah, but I, I'm the same. I I, I be- dude, I bet you last year at this exact same time, if we asked Marty Biron if they would win, I bet you he would have said yes. Just just because. like It was feeling like they were due. Right. And now it feels like it's gone beyond the point of being due, mm. and it's just something that they do. They're not due. It's what they do. <laughs> So like even like myself, the, like right? Defining like, them. I've, yeah, because I've almost turned into a total so fan. I'm expecting them to lose as I well. I thought he basically answered the question earlier too when he said like I don't, you know, when we asked him about goaltending, he's like I don't like them in a matchup against Vasilevsky. I don't like them in a matchup against, up against Ulmerk. And it's it's absolutely fair to say and it, you know, but that's only one position. It doesn't matter. It's first round, second round. It's not. It, I guess it's not about the first round. It's about who they're playing. Is really what it boils down to. Right. And that's and that's the way it's been for many years, and that's the way it's gonna be. It's and the it's, way it's gonna be it's until the format changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I guess be. isn't really happening. Not any. until Gary gets, I don't know, buried in a landfill in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, man. Well, listen. Uh, do you have other things that we had to get to on the show, or or what's the point? Are we? No, uh, nothing pressing. We broke a trade. We gave the yeah. people a nice interview. We did break a trade, right? And I mean, I guess people have probably <laughs> found out about the trade. Maybe by, by the time they've listened to this. <laughs> oh man, Are we that was great. Characterizing that? I don't know. I don't know. But I told you before we went to air that last week when we returned after a two month abs- absence. I was feeling rusty. Yeah. I was feeling rusty. Like, even just, like, you know, the mic presence and Definitely awareness. feeling better today. Like the flow. A couple little stumbles here and there, but feeling the flow today, definitely. Yeah. Working it. Feeling the flow. Block right. the energy. Harness the good. Remember, yeah. block energy, good, bad. It's like a carousel. It goes up and down and around. No Happy Gilmore reference there. You're not on Yeah, that. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Is well, this guy kidding? <laughs> this guy kidding? <laughs> Episode 105 is in the books here in the Pucks and Deep podcast. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Get in those podcasts as soon as they hit the floor. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Go Adam, at Coleman42, 
at MartyBeeron43 is where you can find our guest this evening. Just an absolute beauty, man. Did absolute you know he beauty. used to wear double zero? I, I highlighted it at one point. I, I was I was hoping you might have seen it. I was going to ask. Yeah, I should have asked him, like, who the... First Next of all, who time. picks double zero? Next time. We're going to have him on they soon. They actually made a rule so that he could not wear it anymore. We're going to have him on soon because the Leafs are winning this time. There you I'm going to change my mind. Then we get to play toe-to-toe on him. I change my mind like I change my underwear, which is about twice a week. So Yeah. That's why you're doing the parade on-off thing all that's season, right. right? All right, folks. That's a wrap. Episode 105. Thanks for joining us. At PuckPod on Twitter. Send us an email. RealPuckPod at gmail.com. Leave a review. Tell your Yeah, friends. leave a goddamn review. Jeez. Till next time. Next week? Two weeks? We'll see. We'll see. We've learned not to commit. We'll see you then. <laughs>